Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, I am joined by Aidan Lawless, farm manager at Johnstown Castle, to get an update on the performance of the herd. Aidan gives tips and advice on drying off high-yielding cows, insights on cumulative production in the winter milk cows, their recovery from drought, and how they aim to rebuild their silage reserve. Yeah, Emily, so uh, sure, things are going well at the moment for the, the last few weeks. Um, uh, things have settled down well. Grass is booming at the moment. And um, I suppose we we're coming into the sort of end of lactation there with the, the autumn herd at the moment. So it's a it's quieter time of the year on the, on the farm for, for us here now. So we have a good lot of autumn calvers on, on the farm here. So it's a bit quieter. And and you mentioned grass is booming, Aidan. Uh, can you quantify that in terms of, um, I suppose, average grass growth ac- across the last few weeks and also looking at the uh, farm cover per cow? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I suppose for the last last three weeks, really, we've probably grown maybe 75, 80 kilos uh, a day or maybe a bit over at times, depending. We've been taking out some surpluses as well. So that sort of drops, drops back. We would have recorded covers of 130, 140 on some pots where there is good grass. Um, so that's really for the last. It's sort of for the last three weeks. It's probably the best growth we've had all year, really, because we missed the peak earlier when the when the drought was there in in May and June. Um, our cover per cow then, well, we're adjusting the whole time. Nearly every week we we measure at the moment our demand on the autumn herd has has dropped off now because we we dried off uh, just over fifty percent of the herd there only a couple of days ago, and even the week before that we were trying to drop um, demand on that herd anyway. So. Our covers per cow were actually over 200, but we would be adjusting that. We let the covers go a little heavier when we're when we're drying off the autumn herd, just because we want to dry cows to sort of to, to try clean out a sort of a, a, heavy, a little bit of a heavier cover just to to knock the the yield off and before they dry off. So I just we've we've no shortage of grass at the moment. We've a bit of catching up to do in terms of sort of silage made for the year. So we're, we'll we'll try to push on and, and take as much surpluses as we can. We have our first and second cup made, but a bit less than what we would have maybe uh, normally. And looking back to the dreaded drought that that we all experienced, I, I suppose you got hit hardest, Aidan, um, or, or one of the hardest counties. You know, we would have been speaking with um, a dairy advisor, Colm Doran, and he would have talked about the extent of it in Wexford. But what sort of growths were you seeing when you had the extremes of the drought? Yeah, I suppose we weren't the worst affected. Maybe we it, there was actually a little pocket of um, just the very southeast that did get rain there. I think in uh, a certain amount of rain in, in May that other farms wouldn't have got. But like we were, I suppose for the last two weeks of May and the first two weeks of June, we were we were, we were in a we were coming into a fairly serious drought where our soil moisture deficits were were up at sixty five seventy and. Uh, but it was sort of probably a bit shorter than maybe some farms around around the county. It was very localised actually because even when the rain came, I know there was certain farmers that didn't get it until a week later than we did as well. So I think overall, sort of our rainfall for June came in at 90 millimetres, which was higher than average, ironically. But a lot there was about 50 or 60 mil of that came, and I think around the 20th of June, the 18th, 20th of June. So it was the first half of June and the last couple of weeks of May where we really suffered and our growth rates would have there was some paddocks actually lost grass when we would have been measuring weekly there for the first week or two of June um, and our growth rates probably would have been between maybe 15 to 20 on, on some where we would have been expecting covers uh, or growth rates of 75, 80 that time of the year really yeah, you'd comfortably grow that at a normal time. 
but like I said, it was it was short lived enough for a few weeks there. So yeah. And Aidan, when we spoke in the springtime, you had um, given us some information on the um, clover and mixed species swars that you would have introduced um, into the dairy grazing platform. And I suppose a comment from you, did you see any, I suppose, differing effects with perennial ryegrass or perennial ryegrass and clover or the mixed species in terms of how they managed and coped with the drought? Very little so far. It's, it's early days. I suppose we'll have to look back at it when we when we've been taking measurements and all. But uh, to be fair, the our growth rates seem to dip a little bit on on the on the multi species as well at, um, during the drought, and that would have been one of the sort of the factors that you would have thought the multi species would have survived. Now it probably maybe did come out of the the the, the 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 drought a little quicker, but then we got a lot of rain quick, and both both systems came out of the drought uh, quick enough. And we, that was at a period of time there where I suppose we would have we we've only spread uh, seventy kilos of nitrogen on the multi species so far, and there hasn't got any nitrogen for the last two and a half months. So it might have been just at that period where it was a change over. Really, the clover hadn't really kicked in at that stage yet either. So there might have been a little bit of a dip. It's it's early days to 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 say yet, but uh, we wouldn't have seen a huge difference in terms of. Uh, uh, drought resistance which would have been one of the factors that would have been a plus point for the multi-species. It'll be interesting to see Aidan in the next couple of years if that does materialise in terms of the coping two periods where there is soil moisture deficit. Where you're, you've spread 70 kilos of nitrogen on the mixed species what level of nitrogen fertiliser has been sp- spread on the perennial ryegrass type swords? Yeah, well, with the the other system because we're we're up on about a hundred and um, I think about one hundred and eighty kilos of then like where our target would be to sort of go near to two fifty just to to have that range to compare with. Um, so we'll basically we have two more applications of nitrogen to go on there. Um, I suppose we'll have a we'll have one there in, in I sort of I suppose twentieth of August, maybe fifteen twentieth of August, and then the final application before the closing date there in in early September. Um, and then we blanket spread. Here with the protected area, every generally every three weeks or so, um, and we, we sort of probably be go a little slightly over three weeks this time, and then we'll have, like I said, we'll have the two more applications to to go on. That to bring us up close enough to two forty kgs and then two forty two fifty kgs then on the on the perennial ryegrass so clover swards, and then the multi species we still have a the option. We'll see. We'll measure how those are going. It's really the first full grazing season, but um, they're they're performing well at the moment, but then everything is growing well at the moment. So if we do need to think that we need to put in on some nitrogen there just before the towards the back end, we we have an application. Our target there would be to spread less than 100 kgs of N per hectare. So we do still have 25 or 30 kgs of N that we spread on that system if we do need to. But it's early days with that. We'll see how it goes. And if we turn our attention then to the herds and the performance of the different herds on the farms, farm in Johnstown Castle. So I suppose we're particularly interested when we chat to you um, farmers that are engaging in autumn calving and winter milking. So I suppose to start at that point, Aidan, um, you know, you mentioned 50 percent of the herd is dried off at this stage. So I guess we have a good indication of cumulative performance for the year. Uh, could you give us an idea of milk yield and milk solids yield from those cows? Yeah, so we we have about five herds here um, in Johnstown overall, but two of the herds are autumn calving herds and they're their um their pastures are uh, predominantly perennial ryegrass with some clover in them. So and they they, graze, they all graze independently. 
So there's two different stock rates on the autumn herds. We have a high stock on four, four cows per hectare and then a 2.75 cows per hectare. Normally, any of the updates that we go out and send out is, is just focused on the, the intents of the four cows per hectare. So just the performance on that, we're, we, like I said, we've actually slightly over 50% of the cows dried on their herd at the moment, um, which aim to dry just in really two batches, I think, this year, because a lot of our herd is sort of fairly compact in terms of calving. So anything basically calving, our expected calving date there is the 20th of September. And from the 20th of September until, I suppose, the, the 10th of October, we've dried there um, over the last couple of days. And that's um, the performance to date. Then we're looking at, um, we're just about 295 days of milk, almost up in the 300. Um, we've done about 7,350 kilos of milk. Our solids are just over 600 kilos of solids per cow at the moment. We'd be hoping to get another maybe 20 kilos out of the other half of the herd that's sort of for the next will be they'll be milking on for the next month or so um and they should should do about another 20 kilos so the record the yield will be around 620 and i suppose delivered to the, the factory then it'll be around 600 per cow now that's off a pretty high feeding rate a bit higher than normal our target will be to maybe about 1.4 ton of concentrate this year it's going to be 1.6 at least 1.6 um and that extra 200, 250 kilos of concentrate was really fed in, in May, June there during the drought period. We're feeding four or five kilos a day for the guts of a month, I suppose, really. Um, and I guess that uh, four cows per hectare stocking rate, you know, is quite intensive. And, you know, where we hit something like that drought that we experienced, uh, albeit a, a shorter one than we saw in 2018, there is going to be a requirement for additional supplement. Yeah, you're walking a tightrope with, with that the whole time, Manuel Louise, I suppose. And, you know, you're, there's a, an extra requirement. We fed silage off a system that we wouldn't really have silage to feed on the system either. We fed along with the, the four or five kilos of concentrate we were feeding for a good period of that month, we were feeding about four or five kilos of silage as well. So we uh, we probably only have about point, I think maybe about uh, point three, point two or point three of a ton of silage made on that system. Very little, really. It's all only a surplus as anyway. So that's just a, sort of, a, like you said, the dangers any time where you're not hitting growth. You're going to be tight on the shoulders on that system anyway, but um, any drop in growth at all, We'd have a demand of, with four cows per hectare, we normally would have a demand of 65, 70 kilos a day, every day, really, So and they're out grazing. So if we're not growing less than that, we're, we have a deficit within a couple of weeks. Yeah. And Aidan, and looking to the uh, dry cow management, um, you know, those cows would still have been pushing, you know, a fairly strong yield when you were looking to dry them off. And I suppose, can we get a comment or some tips from you in terms of stepping down the yield in the week or so leading up to dry off? And also, as well as that, what you're doing um, for dry off, is it blanket or selective dry cow across those groups? Yeah, so... What we've done, it's worked well for the last few years here. I, I, I know some people might be a little bit put off of the extra work, but really we're we're dividing the herd. So we're identifying the cows that are, are we're, we're going to dry off based on expected calving date, or some of them might have started to drop off and yield themselves, but mainly an expected calving date. We'd have very few that would be below conditions going on the autumn herd anyway. But So once we've identified the cows that we want to dry off, a week to 10 days before we plan to dry them off, uh, they're separated out into uh, effectively what we call the, the sort of the go and dry group. Um, 
and they'll with try crash their diet really by following the milkers. So the milkers will graze pretty much two thirds of the grazing, and the last third, the 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 ones that we're going drying off, have to, to fight for that. And they'll obviously they'll be getting no concentrate really either then. So that that can sort of knock a, an eighteen twenty liter cow back to sort of around ten liters in, in the space of that week, and you, we'd see it even on the milking parlor there, we'll have a lot of them coming up as the press yields warning and stuff. So. It does. It's a, it's pretty effective that they, they don't tend to bag up as much after. So we'll keep the diet restricted then for sort of five, seven days after drying off. So really it's probably two weeks, but rather than two weeks after drying off, it's a week before and a week after. Um, just seems to, that they, they don't spring up as much or, or retain. Because like you said, like 18, 16, 18 litres is a lot to be drying off a cow at, but that's just some of them have that potential and they need to be dried off to get a, a bit of a rest period. So in terms of the dry off, then we're, we're targeting, regardless of the dry cow therapy, we're targeting to give him a sort of a break of about 60 days, sort of 50, 60 day dry period. Um, uh, obviously, for the, we're using, some of the cows are using um, a dry cow therapy, and that's a 56 weight day withdrawal anyway. So that needs to be, and even the other ones, we do still give them that longer period. But any cow, basically, that has a cell count less than 150,000 consistently for the year or hasn't had any mastitis for the last three or four years now we've been using selective dry cow therapy so basically just a sealer with those and anything else then anyone that has had mastitis over the year or has a higher cell count will get the antibiotic and dry cow or sealer as well. And 150 um, is quite a high threshold, Aidan. Are you comfortable with that? I know for people starting out and dipping their toe in the water, you know, the recommendation from Don Crowley would be to go uh, at a much lower threshold. Yeah, well, we started off at around 100,000 as well. Uh, now, to be honest, uh, we uh, anything over, I, I, when I'm selecting sort of anything under 100,000, I don't even really look out. But like anything between 100 and 150,000, I might look at depending on if the cow was sort of a, an older cow or if it, it, like possibly if there was uh, any case of mastitis during the year at, and, and she's uh, if there's anything like that knocks her out straight away so I, that would be like you said it'd be a high threshold but um, and it's the first year we probably crept up maybe from 100,000 we would start at 100,000 120 and we're just uh, maybe pushing the boat as far as we can see how we go really with it now our sort of cell count for the year has been good but we do get incidents of mastitis probably during the, the winter when the cows are housed um, tends to be environmental so there will be there's probably 10 or 15 percent of the herd would have um, had an incidence of mastitis higher than we'd like really but um, I've been looking at it for the last couple of years and I can't see any correlation between that and the dry cow therapy it's probably a lot of the cows that maybe were treated with a, an antibiotic last year and it could be just sort of a some of them that are, are carrying a persistently infected and maybe we need to be a little harder on getting rid of those rather than, uh, than, than treating them. But so far, I'd be happy enough in terms of once, now obviously Don would have gone through it before as well, but the, the real key thing and when we're, when we're drying off, we, we have plenty of help and like a cow with 100,000 or a little over hasn't an infection and we just need to be really important that we don't introduce it when we're drying off. So that's the, the real critical thing, I think, for... Um, I probably leading a little bit easier at this time of the year during the during the the, the days here, like they're going back out to clean sward and they're coming in clean. We're obviously disinfecting them on when we're drying them off, but it's probably a little bit easier to do it with the autumn cows when they're out of pasture than than even in the house. 
So some of the key uh, tips I'm I'm taking um, from what you're saying there is that, you know, the man- management of your cows in the week or 10 days leading up to dry off in terms of crashing the diet so they can uh, reduce the milk yield significantly. And, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, 10 litres is a fairly good level to be drying cows off at, you know, ensuring that there's a lot of help around when you're doing the dry off and that selective is working quite well for you. But we must be selective in, in the cows we're, we're selecting for that yeah i suppose just as well emma just it's important to say like that we're sampling regularly here we have somatic cell counts every two weeks here which probably no probably no other farmer really would have so we can be a little bit sure we're 100 sure that sort of there's no high cell count anytime during the you know if a farmer um i suppose even don would have said as well uh, you need to be sampling regularly as well that you're having at least a, a sample every month if, if you're going to go down that route I, well i'd imagine anyway so but we have even more than that, so maybe we should be able to push out the boat a little bit higher, maybe with a higher threshold as well. So, yeah. And turning our attention then to the spring herd and, and the most interesting part, I think, from the spring perspective now is, you know, we're we're approaching scanning and, and seeing where we're at in terms of how well the breeding season went. Can you get a recap for us, Aidan, in terms of what your procedure was for breeding? When did you start, um, you know, dairy, beef, AI, and I suppose what the indications are in terms of how successful it was? Yeah, um, gosh, for, for the spring herd, um we probably would have uh, we we started I think about the the second of May it was we, we just with the between the autumn cows uh, and all here we 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 just that was I, I really the looking back over the last couple of years anyway like sort of your with the gestation length of the cows at the moment um, that was sort of even to get a, a February calf or now you really need to be starting a slightly slightly later so we were happy enough we we're getting for the last few years we've been getting them good and compact anyway so we still would have a good chunk of cows calved there and first week of February even by starting then so our start date we AI then for um with the cows seven weeks I suppose with the heifers it's probably less it was really only sort of the heifers were synchronized after 10 days so um or PG just that they were all served within the first 10 days so the bull would have went in we actually left the bull in after they were all served within the first 10 days we left the bull in for day 10 to day 18 or so and then just when the repeats were coming on the ones that were synchronised, we, we, we took them out and we just observed again, just from a management point of view, really. Um, and then the bulls would have joined the, the, the spring herd after week seven or so um, when they came out from the heifers. And then we bred for another, uh, we just about 11-week breeding period there with spring. So the bulls are out there since, the I think, about the 15th of July. Um, activity uh, we haven't scanned and we didn't do a scan during the, the breeding season our numbers on the spring herd are a bit smaller so it's uh, dangerous to, to predict but we, we've, we've had a, a couple of cows that have seen bull and sense but um, it seems to be low enough uh, we did have a few cows come at the sort of six or nine week sort of uh, during the breeding period as well but you, you will have that they were probably maybe missed the first time or, or just a, a, an embryonic loss maybe with one but uh, would be hopeful enough that Sort of for the last while now, the uh, autumn herd was actually scanned. We scanned the autumn herd earlier in the year there, and now and we were about 12% empty on those, which is higher. We were down in single digits there for the last couple of years, but this is the highest one we've had for the last two or three years. But it's still it's still okay for a sort of a tight enough 10 and a half week breeding period, but um, we wouldn't want to go any higher than that, ideally. It's for the last few years, we've been going well on that. So hopefully the spring herd will be somewhere around that. 
And Aidan, you make reference to your autumn breeding season length of 10 and a half weeks and 11 weeks in your um, your spring herd. And that's something we would have chatted on the podcast about in the last few weeks. You know, there are there's a huge range and I suppose 10 is as low as people seem to go, but people will go to 15, 16 weeks. Did you ever have an extended breeding season and, and why are you cutting it below the 12 weeks, which is generally the norm? Yeah, well, I, I suppose, look, the... The, the bulls maybe tend to carry, carry a bit like so. I suppose if we have a ten week, um, if we have a ten week breeding season, we probably have a twelve week calving season really. And uh, just from point of view, if we are getting enough cows and generating enough replacements within that period between the two calving blocks as well, I think any farmer that's calving in both in the autumn and the spring needs to try keep it as tight as possible that they're they're not doing something the whole year around. Then um, that'd be my own view. Um, like I said, for the last few years, we've been we would be happy enough if we could sort of keep it to ten, eleven weeks uh, breeding and 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 uh, an empty rate of less than ten percent. And it's uh, even by de facto, you're you're sort of breeding out any ones that are tend to cause problems. The other thing I would have seen over the last few years, you could probably breed for maybe fourteen or fifteen weeks, and the amount of cows that you will get in that last few weeks, or like you're probably only looking at maybe two or three cows or something. Well, our herd, it's only there's only 150 cows in the whole herd anyway. So, you know, it, it's a very small number of cows for for that observation. So just keep it a bit tighter, and when you do it for a couple of years, where we'll probably pull it back as tight as we're going to go now at this stage, but we would have maybe been breeding for 12 weeks before and just trying to tighten it up a little bit the whole time. So. And I think, as you say, there's there's, um, you know, it it doesn't happen overnight and you are um, maybe going to miss one or two cows. But as you said, they tend to be a problem cow in the herd and they'll be late next year and the year after again. I think we've got a good update, Aidan, in terms of what's happening on the farm. It'll be interesting to see what the scanning results are across the spring herd. And, and again, also what the cumulative performance will be in the autumn herd. Looking forward to catching up later in the year. That's great, Emily. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Aidan Lawless for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.